Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. We're going to be in the book of Mark uh, this morning, the fourth chapter, verses. We're going to look at verses 35 through 41. I want to give a special shout out to our online family. Those of you all who are joining us online, we're so grateful uh, for you to be joining us uh, on this morning. Once again, we're going to be in Mark, the fourth chapter. We're going to look at verses 35 uh, through 41. I'm so thankful and excited to be jumping in the Risking It All series. And uh, we're really looking at some pivotal characters, uh, both in the Old and New Testament. Uh, and uh, just to look at their lives and what happened when they said yes uh, to Jesus. And so I know this particular uh, story that we're going to look at this morning, I believe it's going to bless and encourage you. Mark, the fourth chapter. Uh, verses 35 through 41, and it reads, it says, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd, and they took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped or it was filling. It says that Jesus was in the stern, which is downstairs, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I wanna speak from the subject this morning, facing life's storms. Facing life's storms. Uh, Let's pray and let's ask that the Lord would help us as we uh, dig into his word on this morning. Our God and our Father, this is certainly the day that you have made, and we are making a choice and a declaration and a decision right now that we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I pray at this moment that you would move me out of the way, that people are not here uh, to see me, to hear me. They are here uh, because they desire more than anything else to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak clearly, uh, Lord, that you would uh, glorify your son Jesus and everything that's said and done here this morning will be done for your glory, for your fame, and for your honor. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Uh, a little bit over four years ago, I, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I were uh, pastoring church leading in Washington, D.C., and we felt um, the distinct call to suffer for Jesus in South Florida. I don't know what it was. It was the food. It was the weather that's, you know, 75 degrees or so all year round. I don't know if it's the palm trees or the beach, which is typically, you know, 18 or so minutes to our east. Uh, but we felt the call to uh, pack up our bags and to move to South Florida. And it was a, it's been a fantastic experience. We've planted a church there called Legacy Church, and God has moved and done a number of amazing things. Uh, but here's, here's, again, kind of the honesty, a little bit of, of honesty about that. Uh, my wife did have some hesitation about, about South Florida. It wasn't, 
You know, I mean, there, there, um, there were some discussions. Her, her huge hesitation about South Florida um, was this little kind of small season from June 1st to November 30th called what? Hurricane season. That was, that was her challenge. Uh, she was excited about the food, the weather. Uh, we could leave all of our snow stuff up in the D.C. area. But hurricane season, that was the season that gave her a little bit of trepidation. So I remember uh, we drove into South Florida, I believe it was August of 2017. And family, here's what I want you all to know. Less than three weeks later, somebody say three weeks. Less than three weeks later, here's what happened. A hurricane uh, category five is coming right in our direction. Not a category one, not two, we skip three and four, a category five. Uh, a, a hurricane is coming in our direction. And so at this time, we've got five kids. And uh, I remember we moved into our apartment complex. And I, you know, again, this is no shade on our apartment complex, but there was this little packet that they dropped off to all the residents. And it was, uh, here's how to prepare for the storm. And as I, we kind of flipped through that particular packet, Y'all, it was like, um, I mean, just imagine, y'all remember the old yellow pages, it was that. And as I looked through it, here's what happened to me. I mean, there was, there was all this anxiety in me because I looked through, again, I've got five kids and so they talked about toiletries and they talked about water and they talked about hurricane shutters and they talked about generators. And, and, and here was the big kicker. The big kicker for me was that when we left our apartment complex to get gas, this is what really freaked me out. And I got a good friend here, Dorian, and you'll understand this from South Florida. Um, what really freaked me out is when I went to the gas station family, there was no gas. So here's what we did. We got in our car, praise the Lord, and we drove back to D.C. <laughs> we completely opted out. We knew at this point in our journey in South Florida, being there three weeks, we were not prepared to face that storm. We completely opted out. But here's another thought that I had. Another thought that I had was, um, okay, hurricane season happens every June to November. If there's a warning, it's not economic, especially like gas prices right now. I mean, y'all just imagine this is four years ago, but gas prices now, they're like $30 a gallon. So, so I knew at some point when I was thinking back, I said, this is not economical. Every time there's a storm, we can't just get in our van and drive back home. Here's what we're gonna to have to do. If we're gonna be South Florida residents, we've gotta figure out how we can prepare for the inevitable storms that we'll face. I just realized we had to make the decision. And so we're much better today than we were four years ago, but I think that principle is what I wanna talk a little bit about today. Um, when you make a choice, a decision to follow Jesus, and you give Jesus your life, your heart, and you say, Lord Jesus, I wanna follow after you, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Here's what I wish I could promise you. I wish I could promise you that life was always gonna be easy. There'd be no challenges, no heartaches, uh, no, unexpected, um, uh, no unexpected situations that rise up, no cancer, no, uh, no divorces, no financial difficulties. Um, I wish I could say that to be true. Uh, but that's, that's not true. Because um, here's what actually Jesus says in the scriptures. If we'll look at the scriptures, it says on John 16, 33. Here's what Jesus actually says about the life that we can expect when we choose to follow him. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, somebody say in me, in me, you might have peace. So Jesus' desire for us in the midst of situations and anxieties and frustrations, his desire for us is peace. But here's what he also says. He says, you will have suffering in this world. Is there going to be certain seasons in your life 
where you're going to face things that, that you will feel are overwhelming you. You will, you will face storms and giants and, and challenges that, that you will honestly will feel uh, higher than your pay grade. But here's what Jesus says. He says, I want you to be courageous. And he says that I have conquered the world. So here's what our resurrected Savior says. He helps us to understand that though we are in Christ, uh, though we are, wait, you know, we, are, we are looking forward to a day in which Jesus fully reigns and there's no more death, no more heartache, no more calories. Somebody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> we're, like we're waiting for that day. We also understand that while we're waiting, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be challenges. And so what Jesus says to his disciples is, is you're gonna often face situations in which you feel pressed, situations in which you're tired, you're anxious, you're exhausted, you may not have clarity about the direction that I have you know, for you, but, but I want you to be courageous because whatever you're struggling with has actually already been overcome. And so the story that we're gonna look at today, it's, it's, it's really a story about disciples who have said yes to Christ, but they really at the point when they're saying yes to Christ and where they're going where, where to follow Jesus, they don't know what they've said yes to. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three reminders when facing life storms. And I know I could, I could do a poll in the room here. If we kind of pass the microphone around, everybody could probably share something that you've gone through um, this past year, something you're going through presently, or again, I think for folks of us that have a little bit of gray hairs in our beard or our, our, our hair, we know that oftentimes there's a storm that you and I are about to experience. But, but here's the good news this morning. I believe that our Lord uh, desires to encourage us that regardless of what we're going through, uh, that the word of God really speaks to our situation. So here's what I want to do this morning. Here's, uh, I want to give you kind of three um, reminders when facing life storms. Here's the first uh, reminder I want to give you is that when we face life storms, we've got to remember the words that Jesus has spoken to you. That we've got to remember the words that Jesus has spoken to you. Let's look at verse uh, 35 on the screen. It says, on that day, again, it says that Jesus told the disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. Let's just stop there for a moment. Jesus invites the disciples into the boat, and right before the party gets going, right before the storm, the storm, you know, uh, gets to a place where the disciples can't handle it, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And if you blink for a moment, you'll actually miss what Jesus has just done. What Jesus has just done in that particular moment is that Jesus has just communicated a promise. He said to them uh, that we're going to the other side. Now, again, this is before the anxiety hits. This is before the business fails. This is before the health crisis. He's communicated to them, we're going to the other side. And what I love about this particular scripture, it's a reminder to us that here is what the Lord loves to do in our life. The Lord loves to, in our life, to remind us of what he desires to do through us in spite of the circumstances that we might face. Now, here's a scripture that I want to encourage you all with, Isaiah 40, uh, verse 8. It says that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Amen? 
So here's what we've got to know is though you and I face circumstances in our life that change, the circumstances of our life will always change. Here's what the Lord and his kindness wants to do for us. He wants to make sure in your life, you've got a standard by which you're able to evaluate the experiences that you go through. And the blessedness that we had, the blessedness that we received is the word of God. Jesus wants you to be able to speak a word or to receive a word about your situation from the scriptures, from his holy scriptures. And I love, um, I love the, the implications of this because here, here's one of the things that I know in my own life is that I don't know if anybody else, I, I can be a little forgetful. Anybody else forgetful in here? I can be forgetful. I can misplace my keys. I've, I've lost a kid, even though I've got six of them. I mean, like I've lost kids at amusement parks. I can be forgetful. And here's one of the things that often happens in stormy seasons. What often happens in stormy seasons when you start experiencing what, what honestly proverbially feels like, like there's water in your boat, what, the first thing to go is a reminder of what the word of God has said about your situation. That's, that's the first thing often to go. And so the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God uh, lasts forever. Um, one of the things that has been interesting to me, for those of us that are probably parents or aunties or uncles in here, is there were certainly always kind of things in my life that my parents, when I was growing up, this is the oddest thing. When I was growing up, there were things that my parents said that always annoyed me, y'all. I mean, just like things like my dad would often say, hey, Steve, you should shower today. Like you should just make the decision growing up uh, that it's a, it's a good thing, students, to shower every day. And I bucked against it. I remember sometimes waking up, y'all, and um, I remember, like it was yesterday, my dad would wake me up early for school and I would go and if you're a student in here, again, just, I mean, this isn't, you know, this is something you need to do. I'm just telling you what I did. Is I would go in the bathroom, I'd turn the water on and I'd get just, I'd like sleep on top of the toilet and, and just to get an extra 15 minutes. And so, like, that was instruction that my dad told me really, really early. I mean, my dad also gave me really good instruction. He would say, hey, Stephen, if you've got a job interview or if you've got an appointment, um, brother, here's what it's good to do. It's good to be early. Okay, so if you've got an 8 o'clock appointment, um, try to get me, I mean, shoot to be there at 8 a.m. I mean, there's, there were things that my parents told me. And what's so crazy now is me having kids, I often find myself in situations where I'm telling my kids the same thing. Has anybody ever like you felt like you sound like your parents? And when you were young, you said, I'll never sound like my parents. And so I found myself doing that. But here's kind of the crazy thing is now when I call my, my dad, my dad's, you know, my dad's older. I mean, he's uh, in his mid 70s now. I'm still having conversations with my dad, but I'm asking my dad about, OK, I mean, here's a house that we're considering. Here's a job opportunity that we've thought through. Um, man, can you give me some advice on raising kids? And what's, what's, what's happened from the time that I was young to the time that I was old is, is my responsiveness to the instructions of my father. So here's what often happens in life is I feel like, again, sometimes, you know, when you first become a follower of Jesus and you start kind of reading God's desire for you through the word, sometimes it feels burdensome. 
It feels like, okay, Lord, this is actually making my life more complicated. I feel more ostracized. I feel more alone. But here's what I believe happens through maturity. And as you get older and as you familiarize yourself with the word, here's what I believe the word does is that you begin to see the word as something good to apply to your life. And you begin to look at the word as I'm not going to make a significant decision in my life unless it agrees with what God's word has said. Amen? So I believe that God's care for us in times of crisis is that, family, we serve a God who desires to direct us, who desires to speak to us, who desires to encourage us, and we've got a resource and a tool available, the Word of God, so that you and I are able to know how we're supposed to live in the midst of everything going on around us. So when we begin to discern Lord, how do I face the storms that I'm facing? I've got to remember the words that Jesus has spoken. I've got to pray, God, would you give me a a healthy love for your word? Would you give me time in your word? Would you give me friends that love your word? Would you you help me to set some time aside to memorize your word, to to communicate your word, to, uh, to meditate on it? And I believe that through those principles and those practices, God will, in fact, as he's done in all of our lives, uh, direct us. Uh, to do and to be all that he has called for us to be. So that's number one, is that we've got to remember the words that God has, that Jesus has spoken. Here's the second principle that we need uh, as we begin to think about uh, the storms that we face, is that we also need to remember Jesus's presence with us. That we need to remember that Jesus is present with you. Let's look at the text again. Here's what the text says in verse 38. And, you know, people often say, I mean, the Bible, I just love it. I mean, the Bible is this, like, this is hilarious. What we're about to read, family, is hilarious. Don't let anybody ever tell you the Bible is not interesting. It says, here's, so in the midst of the storm, and these were disciples and fishermen who were well equipped in, on the sea, unlike myself. It says in verse 30, it says that Jesus, in the midst of everything that's going on, Jesus was in the stern which is downstairs, get this Southbridge, he says, sleeping on a cushion. So in the midst of everything that's going around, it says that Jesus is sleeping on the cushion. And so here's what the disciples do. So they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? It says that Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where in light of what you're experiencing, you have the thought, perhaps the thought enters your mind or lingers for a little bit, that God, uh, do you see what I'm going through? Do you see the tough time that I experienced? Do you see the isolation that I'm experiencing? Do you understand the financial difficulty? Do you understand that I'm walking through this divorce? Do you understand that I've been single longer than I want it to be? Do you understand the economic hardship that I'm facing? And so I just want to identify this morning as we can just be honest, whether you're a follower of Christ in here or you're not, is that these are often emotions that we face. But here's, family, what what I want to encourage you with. In the midst of all the things that go on, where do we see Jesus? Jesus is right there in the midst of it. But when we think about this story, 
One of the things that Jesus is embracing at this time, because again, Jesus has not yet died for our sins and been resurrected. Jesus right now is embracing all the limitations of humanity. So one of the things that I like to celebrate at this very moment is that Jesus is no longer in a boat. He's no longer on the cross. Somebody say he's on the throne, amen? So he's no longer there, but at this moment he is, and Jesus is embracing um, all of the limitations of humanity, and God's, here's, look, I, I went to you know, school, I know, you know Dr. Scott went to school for a long time, and so here's one of the things I just want to share with you all this morning that I discovered, that the reason that Jesus is asleep, get this, he's tired. He's tired from pouring himself out. He's embraced all the limitations of, of what it means to be 100% God and 100% man. And what Jesus is doing at this particular point, moment is that he is living the life in perfect obedience to the law that you and I were not able to live. So we celebrate the fact that we have a high priest who has felt the feelings of our infirmities. That's why we can be honest with God about what we're, what we're going through. Jesus felt it. Whatever we've been tempted by, Jesus been there, done that, accomplished it. Uh, died on our sins with the cross, resurrected at God's right hand. Amen. But at this particular moment, when these disciples are in their crisis season and they've risked it all, Jesus' presence is not comforting them. So we benefit today from progressive revelation to know that when Jesus ascends, at this very moment, he's at God's right hand. He's ruling as Christ. Here's what Jesus knows. Here's what Jesus does so that you and I are never alone. He sends the Spirit of God to indwell us. He sends the Spirit of God so that you would know that he's with you. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, Whatever trial, whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, you've got to know that Jesus is in your boat. I've got a scripture that I want to read from John 14 to really highlight this particular text. John 14, we're going to look at verses 18 and 19, and also we're going to skip down to verse 26. Here's what Jesus says. He says, when I ascend, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I'm coming to you in a little while. He says, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Here's what the Holy Spirit ministry is in your life. He says, the Spirit of God will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what I have said. That's the Spirit's ministry in your life. Spirit's ministry in your life is that when things get tough, when things get challenging, you've got the third person of the Trinity indwelling you. And here's, here's a, a very clear application to, this, to the Spirit of God indwelling you. Spirit of God, in this moment, I'm feeling overwhelmed by the storms of life. Would you, Holy Spirit, as you've always promised, would you minister to me? Would you remind me of who I am? Would you remind me of whose I am? And would you help me with the help of the believers of Southbridge Fellowship to do what you've called me to do and to be who you've called me to be? I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. What a delight that we have to know though Jesus is not physically present here with us, the reason that Jesus actually said that he had to go, he said that I have to go so that my ministry could extend outside of just Raleigh. So when Jesus is on earth, he's, he again embraces all the limitations of humanity. He could only be in Raleigh, amen? 
He, he could only be in Fort Lauderdale. But when Jesus ascends, he sends forth the Spirit. And so here's, here's his plan. I'm going to indwell believers, and these believers are going to come together. And here's what I'm going to do. It'll blow their minds, and it obviously blows our mind a lot of time, is that I'm going to indwell them. And here's the assignment for the church, is for the church to image what our God is like. So that's what I'm going to do. That, that's, the, that's the grand plan. But what we've got to be able to do, followers of Christ, is to know when we're experiencing those seasons. And, and here's the thing. Some storms aren't your fault. Again, think about the disciples. I mean, they just got in a boat. They know they're going to the other side. But here's what God promises to do through storms, especially for those of us that have trusted Jesus. What he's promised to do is to use and to leverage the storms to help you to be who God has called for you to be. He'll leverage it to grow you. He'll leverage it to develop you. Because here's what happens. Imagine being in the boat with Jesus and, and you get to shore. What the disciples have that nobody else has is a testimony about the ability of Christ when things get really, really difficult. They've got a testimony. So sometimes think about your life, perhaps even something that you're going through right now. And here's what I want to suggest to you is that the Lord has allowed it, though you might not have caused it, because he's going to use this situation to bring some things out in you that you did not see in yourself. Praise the Lord. Amen. One of the perplexing things about this story to me is that the disciples' anxiousness does not come from just the water getting on. It's not just the waves that's going. The disciples' anxiety comes when they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's water in my boat. I'm realizing at this particular point, we are risking it all to follow you. And what we believe is sustaining us, the boat, is getting jacked up. So often in our life, the anxiety in our life comes when whatever we believe is sustaining us gets breaked up, but we might still physically be safe. Let me give you an example. Sometimes when your money's a little funny, amen? Sometimes when that 401k, I remember when the pandemic first happened and your 401k became a 101k. <laughs> and you begin to feel, you know, as you're approaching retirement, you begin to feel some anxiousness like, okay, this wasn't in the plan. This wasn't in the budget. And, and I'm not saying those things are, these, certainly those things aren't your fault, but, but here's, here's what the Lord wants to do through stormy seasons, is he wants to remind you that the 401k is not your source. It's not your sustainer. What's who, the person that's your sustainer is Christ. And I'm telling you, this is, this is a little, this is, this is mature, but I believe, because I believe that y'all are just the type of church, I know the type of messages that Pastor Scott preaches, um, I think one of the things that God ultimately does in maturity, and, and this, is, this is, again, this is, this is not Christianity 101, is that he allows often what we believe has, has, is sustaining us to be taken away. And, and God often uses those seasons to show his strength towards us in a way that we would not have experienced had whatever happened been there. I remember I told you, we all plant, we planted a church 
And uh, January 27, 2019, uh, as we were kind of walking through our church plant, what was not on our church planting prospectus was a worldwide pandemic. Amen? I mean, that was not on our, our radar. Like, that was not something we planned for. And it's really, really challenging when you're getting a new church off the ground, and, and all of what your church is is gathering. <laughs> I mean, it's a meeting in person. I mean, we, didn't, we didn't have, and I'm praising the Lord for what God has done at Southbridge over these you know, last few years, but I'm sure if I talk to Pastor Scott and some of the leaders here, like, like our, our, our backdrop was Zoom. We were Zoom church. I mean, we didn't have the lights. We didn't have the glitz, the glamour. Uh, you know, we didn't have um, you know, all of our signage. We had Zoom. But what I want you all to know that through this season of difficulty, here's what, I want, here's what I want you guys to know, is that the Lord showed himself strong in a season of difficulty that we would have not experienced had what we thought was sustaining us was the school that we met in. And God, for whatever circumstances allows a pandemic to happen, it's ripped away. And so for 20 months, we get a, a one-on-one course on I'm your provider. I'm your provider. Trust me. Don't trust the school system. I'm your provider. And we got this, this real lesson of how the Lord delights to show himself strong on the behalf of those who fear him. And so I just want to encourage you. I was, remember talking to my daughter even as I was praying this message. I said, Naya, you know, she's a student. And I said, again, I, you know, what are some of the things that you guys face? I know we got a number of students in here. And she said, Dad, you know, some of the challenges that we face is, man, we just, you know, we just feel the pressure to get good grades. And I said, well, Daddy didn't have that issue. You know, I didn't have great grades. I was okay, but I didn't feel the pressure, the weight. Um, and then she also said, um, she also said, you know, sometimes as students we feel the pressure to fit in. And, and so I think one of the, I think, just the reminders there is that, 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 that experiencing storms or difficulties or crises of faith, that there, there's no age limit. Um, I know I was talking to some other folks in our church. I mean, they're approaching retirement age, and they're trying to kind of figure through what does identity and look like kind of post, you know, post they've been working in a particular field for the last 40 or so years. So, so when we begin to think about facing life storms, we've got to remember the words that Jesus has said. Then secondly, we've got to remember Jesus' presence with us. And here, let me just give you this third point uh, this morning, is that we also have to remember Jesus's authority over your storm. That we've got to choose to remember Jesus's authority over your storm. Let's read verses 40 and 41. Again, love the the specificity here. So it says in verse 40, it says, then Jesus says to them, and, and it seems like a very logical question. He says, then why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? In verse 41, it says, and they were terrified and they asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey them? So I just, you know, I, I often kind of think in word pictures. And I think one of the things which is, which is kind of crazy and shocking about this last dialogue is the sea has been calm. The problem has been eliminated. And, but, the, but the disciples, I can kind of imagine them in the boat. They're still in the boat and they're terrified. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, why are you terrified? Jesus is in the boat. The storm has passed. 
You're headed to the destination that Jesus has actually spoken about, but they're terrified. And so I began to think that perhaps the reason that they're terrified is that they've seen something of Jesus in their time of difficulty that they had never expected or it was something that absolutely blew their mind. And I began to think about our own lives is that often what causes the angst in seasons of challenge is that we often see a a side of the Lord that perhaps we didn't expect or that we hadn't planned for. And, uh, and that sometimes causes some terror because that, you know, sometimes in those seasons, we're waiting longer than we would have hoped. I often think about some of the, you know, some of the imagery of uh, some of the things that Jesus has done. Obviously, you know, Jesus uh, fed the, the 5,000. He had, you know, he had three loaves. No, he had, he had three loaves. No, five loaves. Five loaves and two fish. I mean, just some of the things that Jesus did. I mean, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And those are oftentimes you know, stories that we kind of look at and, and we can imagine Jesus doing things in those situations that just kind of feel like we can imagine. They seem very uh, predictable, very Jesus-like. But I was thinking a little bit about this storm because the scripture said this was a great storm. And I was thinking a little bit, y'all have to humor me. I know the tech guys will be with me, but I, I grew up watching X-Men. Anybody grew up watching X-Men, X-Men? I mean, that was like, thank you, tech guys. They said, man, Steve, you can come back as long as you keep doing those examples. But I just remember growing up and X-Men was one of my favorite comics. And there was a character in X-Men, her name was Storm. Storm had the ability to, uh, to control the weather. But one of the things that I noticed when you kind of look at Storm is when Storm controlled the weather, it was never a pretty sight. You know, last time, you know, Storm was a company, I think it was Holly Bear. So it was never a pretty sight. And so for Storm to control the weather, like she would literally levitate, you know, 20 feet off of the ground. Her hair would just, you know, her hair would, you know, just kind of flow out. Get this. And again, you know, y'all remember, and her eyes would roll back where all you saw was, you didn't see any eyeballs, there was just white. And as she did that, she began to like control the storm. And I thought a little bit about what the disciples are experiencing. And what I'm imagining is when Jesus chooses to do what he does to calm the storm, my, my, my sanctified imagination begins to think that what he did was not pretty that perhaps their view of him in this situation, it was a side of Jesus that they had never seen before, but now they have a testimony that they'll always have. And so what I'm trying to communicate to you today is often in our lives, storms bring out or allow us to see a side of Christ that we've never seen before, but we've got to avoid the perhaps the fallacy of being terrified of what Jesus has done to being in awe of what the Lord has done. Because sometimes, again, in those stormy seasons, like we're waiting longer than we ever thought we would wait. We're suffering more than we've ever thought we would suffer. But I believe that through those seasons, uh, what the Lord is desiring to do, especially for those that are followers of Christ, is to mature us and to develop us and to perhaps give us a testimony that we would not have had on the inverse. And... uh, you know, I'm always obviously thinking, you know, one of the reasons that we planted our church is because we have a heart for folks 
who are unchurched. We have a heart for folks who perhaps would consider themselves non-Christians or skeptics or unreligious. And when I thought about this particular text, I believe that if you're in here today, if you're not a follower of Christ, you're unreligious, you just, again, you're here because uh, somebody invited you. What I love, verse 40 and 41 kind of leaves off. I mean, it's really the disciples asking this question, who then is this man? What it means to be a follower of Christ, it does not mean that you dot every I. It doesn't mean that you cross every T. It certainly does not mean that you won't experience challenges and situations in your life where you feel pressed, where you feel like your faith is failing or perhaps you're in a crisis. What it means to be a follower of Jesus is that based on the evidence of who Jesus is, you make a decision to say, you know what, in light of who Jesus is and what he's done, I've made a choice to believe that he lived a life that I could not live, he died the death that I deserved, and that I'm placing my faith in both his, his words and his work. And here's what God promises to do, that when you make that decision to trust in Christ, he says, I'll send the Spirit of God to live inside of you, he'll comfort you, he'll teach you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you to be a part of a church family, whether that's here in Raleigh or some other place throughout the country. And my desire in doing that is so that you're able to accomplish everything that you ever desired, but Jesus is on the boat. The, the most challenging storm that Jesus ever had to encounter was the storm of sin. It was um, the weight of our sin, the weight of our transgression, uh, the weight of all of our mistakes. And the good news of the gospel is that, um, is that we can stop striving, and that we can look to the one who has done what we could not do uh, in and of our own strength. I've got a, um, Ephesians 2, I'm going to read a last scripture for you really to cement this particular point. Ephesians 2 uh, says that we've been saved by Christ and not our striving, but it says, for you have been saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. The good news of the gospel is that we serve a God who, in seeing our striving, in seeing us try to fight storms on our own, in seeing us try to uh, get our life straight after perhaps um, seeking to do everything ourselves, he stepped in and he did what we could not do in and of our own self. And so as I pray for us this morning, I want that to really just to be a concrete reminder that when we face life's storms, we've got to choose to focus on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bless you and we honor you today. And we're so thankful uh, that the biggest storm uh, that we've ever encountered is the storm of sin. It's the storm of, of separation from you. It's the storm of us being born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And we're so thankful for the good news of the gospel that Jesus, uh, you uh, left heaven and you chose to live a life uh, perfectly accomplishing God's standards on the cross. You chose to give your life willingly. Uh, you allowed yourself to be crucified, buried, resurrected. And at this very moment, you're at God's right hand reigning. And because of that, those of us who have trusted in you, uh, we have become the children of God. And so, Lord, today uh, we make the declaration that whatever storms may happen, whatever challenges may arise, we're choosing to trust in you. 
We're choosing to believe that even through the difficulty, you're developing us, you're shaping us, and you're helping us to be who you've called for us to be. And I pray, Lord, if there's any person on the sound of my voice who's not yet made a decision for you, uh, Lord, that, that uh, perhaps this would be a day in which they choose to place their trust in the person and the work of Christ. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Thank you so much, Southbridge Fellowship.